This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Bob Comsick. Good afternoon. As you just heard in Gavin's news, following weeks of closed-door testimony, public hearings have started into the impeachment inquiry of Donald Trump. I now recognize myself to give an opening statement in the impeachment inquiry into Donald J. Trump, the 45th president of the United States. House Intelligence Committee Chair Alan Adam Schiff, rather, there as the public hearings that Americans and you can now follow testimony about the president's actions toward Ukraine and decide if they're impeachable. Before I introduce our guests, let's hear a bit more from the committee chair, Schiff, as well as Republican committee member Devin Nunes. The questions presented by this impeachment inquiry are whether President Trump sought to exploit that ally's vulnerability and invite Ukraine's interference in our elections, whether President Trump sought to condition official acts such as a White House meeting or U.S. military assistance on Ukraine's willingness to assist with two political investigations that would help his re-election campaign. And if President Trump did either, whether such an abuse of his power is compatible with the office of the presidency. The matter is as simple and as terrible as that. Our answer to these questions will affect not only the future of this presidency, but the future of the presidency itself, and what kind of conduct or misconduct the American people may come to expect from their commander-in-chief. We should not hold any hearings at all until we get answers to three crucial questions the Democrats are determined to avoid asking. First, what is the full extent of the Democrats' prior coordination with the whistleblower? And who else did the whistleblower coordinate this effort with? Second, what is the full extent of Ukraine's election meddling against the Trump campaign? And third, why did Burisma hire Hunter Biden? And what did he do for them? And did his position affect any U.S. government actions under the Obama administration? These questions will remain outstanding because Republicans were denied the right to call witnesses that know these answers. Again, that was Adam Schiff. The House Intelligence Committee chair that you heard first, followed by a Republican committee member, Devin Nunes. And I'd also like to hear your take, whether you're on this side of the border or one of our neighbors who listens. 416-360-0740, toll free, 1-866-744-740. And now, yes, finally, to our guests, and thank you for your patience, the three of you. First, Dr. David Yaloff, Professor of Political Science at the University of Connecticut. Welcome, Doctor. Thanks for having me. Michael Tobe, Troy Media Syndicated Columnist, Washington Times contributor, who, as some of you know, who listen to Libby regularly and have heard Michael on this program before, speechwriter for former Prime Minister Stephen Harper. Uh, Michael, welcome. Thanks very much, Bob. And finally, Dr. Elliot Tepper, Senior Fellow at the Norman Patterson School of International Affairs at Carleton University. Dr. Tepper, thank you as well. Well, good afternoon, everyone. 
I don't know what will be the outcome of these hearings, gentlemen, but I do know they'll go on a lot longer than the introduction that everyone just heard, which, despite its length, hopefully gives you a sense of what this is all about. So let's finally put a question out there for all to consider. And again, please, listeners, call with uh, your questions and maybe your answers to the questions we pose. How crucial a point in U.S. history and in this presidency are these hearings? Dr. Yaloff. Well, it's it's tough to say when you're in the middle of it. When <laughs> I venture to say that there were moments during the Watergate hearings when we didn't think that uh, things were moving in a direction that uh, would someday mark history. And there have been other hearings where uh, we were probably equally clueless. I, I think this much we can say about today and this week um, momentum is either going to build uh, towards uh, moving towards a formal impeachment vote that will be partisan lines, or uh, we'll end up having that vote, but the momentum will stall a little bit uh, based on uh, the efforts to color what's going on today as uh, hearsay, secondary, and not the, the greater issues. And so uh, it's, it's a cop-out, and I'm sorry about that, but uh, um, I, I think things can turn today, but I'm not sure we'll necessarily look back on November 13th as the be-all and end-all. No, of course not, given how long. I mean, this will still go on for a little sure. while and such, so clearly this would not be the be-all and, and end-all. Michael? Look, I mean, I think it's actually very straightforward. It's it, This is a show trial. That's what it truly is, no matter what position you're on or what side of the fence you're on, whether you love U.S. President Donald Trump or you hate him, it's very clear how it will end because it will be politicized. In the end, it will go very similar to what happened to Bill Clinton about 20-odd years ago, which is that the Democratic-controlled House of Representatives will go through this proceeding, we will go through these hearings for months, which will cut into the U.S. presidential election next year, and they will vote to impeach him along politicized lines. But the GOP-controlled or Republican-controlled Senate, whose basically future is tied to this U.S. president, and realize that a lot of their supporters will would actually basically lacerate them at the polls if they did something like that and actually decided to boot Mr. Trump out of office, whether they love him or hate him, will ultimately vote to acquit him, which is the technical term, or exonerate him, which a lot of modern publications are using today. That's really not the big part of it, Bob. The big issue is, will there be any potential damage, more specifically to U.S. President Donald Trump, for his re-election bid next year? And a lot of that depends on the testimony that we hear over the next few months. This is just day one. Obviously, if you look at the political left and political right, both on TV, on social media, or just listen to them on the radio, they're all sort of stating that it's either a huge bombshell or it's a meaningless you know, a meaningless amount of words that really don't mean all that much because we sort of know how this thing is going to end in the grand scheme of things. So that's really, for me, is the key, is whether there will be information brought out, something new, some sort of revelation, some sort of incredible piece of evidence that we haven't seen to date that will either destroy President Trump's future and ruin his re-election bid or whether it's not going to have that much effect of, at all. And again, that, it's still early days, but if you base it on the whistleblower account and various other measures that have already been released, it should be interesting and entertaining, if nothing else. And finally, Dr. Uh, Tepper, please, your thoughts. 
<laughs> well, this should be a, as everybody's portraying it, really, a constitutionally and historically momentous uh, event launched today, which will then proceed as, as uh, the other two guests have described it. It is, however, likely to be not that at all. It's likely to be not an inflection point in American history. This is a serious matter. The impeachment of a president is, is rarely done, and it should be kind of one of those markers in history, but it's much more likely just to be a blip for the reasons that have just been uh, presented. So what we have in front of us now is an effort to persuade the general public, and particularly Republicans who possibly might actually be watching and listening, that there is enough here to change their position, to change their mind. Because otherwise, if they don't change the minds of the Republican base, the Senate is certainly not going to change its position, that is, the Republicans in the Senate, keeping in mind that the House, just as a reminder, draws up the bills of particulars, and it's not certain they will, by the way, but it's highly likely. This is preliminary, preliminary to drawing up charges. Then those go off to the Senate, which takes two-thirds uh, to convict and uh, thereby remove a president. And the 20 votes necessary to switch on the Republican side just are not there unless the Republican base itself changes. And that's the uh, attempt by the Democrats at the moment to say constitutionally we are absolutely correct, but politically we want to change enough minds to make it happen. Dr. Yaloff, I wouldn't mind you chiming in. You, of course, uh, batted leadoff uh, here, and you had a chance to, to hear the two gentlemen. And considering we're talking about your president, your country's president, I'm, I'm not going to ask you uh, whether he's actually your president. That uh, That is totally up to you, and that's your privilege to, uh, uh, as far as your views on him personally. But anyway, what about what you just heard from Michael Tobin, Dr. Tepper? Well, both of them make excellent points. I guess I, you know, when I hear someone um, eloquently describing this as politicized, the only thing I, I, I think back to is that well, it's kind of the point. Uh, it's not supposed to be a, a legal forum, if you will. Uh, it was always meant to be a political sanction uh, set up by the framers uh, that allow Congress to uh, remove a president doesn't necessarily have any legal consequences afterwards, um, but to remove a president if they, if if Congress felt that the person had crossed the lines as they describe them, and what are high crimes and misdemeanors, but whatever gets 218 votes, uh, and to that extent. Uh, while politicized is obviously a very pejorative term, it's almost supposed to be political. It was certainly drawn up in that way. And so I think about that because it's we're going to hear arguments back and forth about whether a crime was committed, whether it is a crime with a quid pro quo, without a quid pro quo. Uh, isn't this normally what happens? And, and, and all of that is, is, is fair for the discussion, but the discussion is, in essence, a political discussion. And that's just something uh, we have to constantly maintain awareness of. The only other thing I would kind of add at the end is I, I think we all kind of accept that 
that there, it, it, it's unlikely, if not impossible, to imagine that a Republican-controlled Senate uh, would 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 move forward and uh, uh, raise, uh, be able to come close to the two-third vote. But I do think there are a bunch of important procedural issues that are going to be raised. Uh, one that's been raised recently is whether the Senate would consider, and they'd only need to do this by a majority vote. Uh, having the ballot uh, for removal at a trial be in secret. If that was true, uh, it, it might put some Republican senators in play that aren't ordinarily there. We already know that there are senators like Cory Gardner in Colorado and Susan Collins in Maine who uh, are wondering the degree to which they need to separate themselves from the president or, as one of your guests said, grab a hold of the president and not let go. So there's a lot of things still to play out, although I agree totally with the guests. It's hard to imagine the circumstances circumstances where this would lead to a removal. 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-744-740. Anything that you've heard today, if maybe earlier this morning you started to watch the uh, the public hearings and are, are one that is quite interested in, in what is going on, you've now heard uh, our discussion up to this point. What do you make of what you've heard, be it down in Washington or or on your radios? Give us a call, 416-360-0740, toll Free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. I'm trying to recall. I believe it was yourself, Michael. And if mm-hmm. I'm wrong, it, it, I know one of you mentioned it. And that is in terms of with this coming down to a, a vote, possibly in the uh, Senate in the new year. Of course, that's yeah. an election year. And in terms of uh, how much more importance it takes on or how much more heat there is as a result of the fact this is all coming to pass in an election year. Right. Well, as the good professor said, and he's quite right, this is not a legal matter. This is, as I said, a politicized matter. And yes, even though it's amusing to say, it really is sort of a game of politics or a game of chess, if you'd like, if that's how you sort of view politics in general. Or a house and of cards. Sorry, house, I had to throw that in. Anyway, yes, go as ahead. As we don't throw Kevin Spacey in the mix, you're <laughs> quite right. So I agree. But yes, absolutely, that is true. Um, but in terms of next year, again, uh, not to sound like a broken record, a lot of it will depend on what sort of things are released in the testimony over the next few months and what either the Democrats, Republicans, or both can do or take a hold of certain testimony or certain individuals and try to use them or, if you'd like, manipulate them to their benefit one way or the other. Um, I'm not exactly sure what will come out. I, I just don't know if we will find anything that will necessarily be a great revelation on top of what we've heard. If something like that appears, then naturally the whole narrative changes. But realistically... If you look at the history of politics, or you just look at the way governments operate by nature, even though there's no question that obviously, you know, Donald Trump tried to basically step out of the boundary line and go above the bar as much as he possibly could when it comes to the issue of Ukraine or other issues in general, unfortunately, many governments operate that way, not necessarily illegally, but just in a way of trying to gain an advantage or a foothold in a particular issue not necessarily by trading off favors or secrets, but by trying to make arrangements behind the scenes that are either beneficial to the individual or mutually beneficial in, it, in itself. A lot of people who work in politics look at this, and, you know, whether they, they like or dislike this U.S. president, they're probably not terribly shocked in private by what they see or what they hear. 
simply because this is kind of the give and take that exists in the political world, which at times is very different or very isolated than the other worlds around us, no matter what the profession may be. So again, a lot of it depends on what comes out. If it's something that's out of the ordinary or outside the box, or just something that doesn't fit into the current narrative right now, then yes, by all means, it changes everything, especially in an election year next year. But if it's more of the same and we just sort of get the same sort of testimonies that we're seeing today, where obviously the political left and political right can grasp onto what they want or reject what they don't, you know, what they're not interested in, I don't think you'll see the needle change all that much, or the political needles, they say, because I, I think that people in the end will have already made up their minds and will just be following along more for interest sake or, as political junkies like to do, follow it on a regular basis, but recognize what will ultimately happen, how the scenario will play out, but just wonder how it will affect overall the U.S. presidential election and the general elections themselves. Join the conversation, please. 416-360-0740. Toll free, 1-866-740-4740. Bob Comsick sitting in for Libby Zneimer, who's a little under the weather today. You're listening to Fight Back on Zoomer Radio, uh, 740 AM, 96.7 FM, uh, downtown. Speaking with Dr. David Yaloff uh, from the University of Connecticut, Professor of Political Silence, Michael Tobe, you heard just there, Troy Media, syndicated columnist. Washington Times contributor and Dr. Elliot Tepper, senior fellow at the Norman Patterson School of International Affairs at Carleton University. And Dr. Tepper, uh, seeing as we can agree on one thing, and that is that this is a political matter, not really a legal one. uh, Would it take a real eyebrow razor to get some staunch Republicans to say, yeah, Democrats, I I guess I'm with you. I'll plug my nose and I'll I'll side with you. The couple of things. First of all, uh, in terms of what it's going to do to the public, it's interesting to see that the Democrats are now trying to reframe the issue away from quid pro quo to the fact that this is bribery and that it's coercion. And those are terms that might have more resonance with the general public. I don't think this is going to be a successful effort because, in a sense, the Republicans have set the parameters already for the nature of this investigation. The Democrats did not want, under Nancy Pelosi, to go this way. They did not want, for reasons we've discussed, to have a formal impeachment process because they, you know, as Nancy Pelosi has said, one thing I've learned in politics is is to count. And so she knows our, the situation that we've been discussing. But uh, this was constitutionally compelling, but not necessarily politically convincing. She only got into this because uh, something came out that convinced her that really the constitutional issues were too severe to overlook even though Republicans may choose to disagree with her. But we have to keep in mind that since 81% of the population apparently says they won't change their mind, no matter what, that um, the fact that the Democrats are now, in a sense, constrained in what they are able to bring, at least until now. There was nothing out of, say, the Mueller report, even though Mueller himself said, if I could exonerate the president, I would, but I can't. And there was a lot of loose ends there. The Republicans had set the parameters, saying, no, you can't go back to uh, the Mueller report. 
we've that's a spent issue. You can't go back to the steel dossier. That's behind. You can only look forward. So the Democrats have said, okay, we are now looking forward uh, because this issue, this particular issue, has just come up. And the Republicans have also said, uh, you're just trying to stick the president with so many muddy things to, to muddy him up uh, that this is all just indeed a witch hunt. And the Democrats have said, okay, we'll keep it simple. Very clear, one issue, despite the fact that they had six committees investigating potential uh, issues regarding impeachable offenses, uh, plus there's about 15 legal cases out there. So my answer to your question is that the, the mechanics of impeachment are now in place, very narrowly circumscribed, and potentially not at all in tune with the daily life of ordinary Americans and certainly Republicans out in the countryside who don't who aren't going to see this as an impeachable offense but if something does emerge remember the clinton investigation did not start <laughs> with uh, with a, a young intern it started on totally other issues and the question of richard nixon didn't really have any teeth to it till the question of well we found some tapes so if something comes out beyond what we currently see then there might be a hazard because the proceedings for impeachment are currently in place. But other than that, as I think we're all suggesting, this is not likely to lead to anything except a great fundraising opportunity, as it is for the president, who's launched a new uh, impeachment fund, which has raised unprecedented amounts of money. Okay, let's uh, welcome Rob from Belleville. Chime in on our conversation here, Rob. Good day. Good day. I guess I kind of north of the border watching this almost daily. And uh, the Democratic Party started after Trump before he was even elected uh, with phony uh, FISA warrants. Uh, They were actually fraudulent. And they've continued. They cannot accept him as president of the United States. It's amazing for a man that's never been in any political office to step into the highest chair in the world and do what he has done with unemployment, with uh, better employment for uh, all the minorities like blacks, Hispanics, etc. Everything is record levels. And yet these people try to bring him down. Now, the interesting part is the whole impeachment started with whistleblower. Well, the whistleblower was hearsay information. Uh, you know, it was hearsay information. But the interesting part was the whistleblower had a history, him and his lawyer, from 17, of promising to take down Trump of a coup. And the whistleblower had met with Schiff two weeks prior to this all coming to the surface, which is a breach of of Schiff's position. And you continue on. Now, the interesting part is when Barr, Durham, and Horowitz get done their investigation, the wheels are going to come off the whole thing that the Democrats have put in place. Okay. Okay. Thank Rob. but here, here's one thing that I know. Okay, call me if we, if we can wrap up. Me, call me when he went in to meet with Trump. The previous day, who do you think he met with? 
He met with Obama for four hours. Now, this whole trail will lead back to the White House. There's no doubt about it. But whether or not this is this has never happened in history. So if you're bar and your Justice Department, how far do you take this? Does it pull? Does it take away from the government of the day? Does it take away from the Democratic Party and heads? It's really uh, it's history in the making, actually. Okay, Robin Belleville, thank you for your comments. And uh, Dr. Yaloff, uh, I must say, uh, uh, what about uh, Americans that you know? He's, he's really into this. Well, I mean, I think what you just heard from was obviously somebody very much on the side of Donald Trump. So uh, what we really heard from, to some extent, was... Uh, a, a fair representation of the 41% to continue to offer Donald Trump a uh, very strong job approval and and the 80 and really frankly part of the 81% you've already documented who are kind of uh they've made their decision they've dug in it's hard to imagine um uh somebody like who we just heard a uh, respectful gentleman actually changing their mind with whatever was there i think though the only thing i would say is it's part of a larger issue of the environment we're in. It is true that there were individuals talking about impeaching uh, President Trump uh, during his inauguration, but there was uh, the famous conversation where Mitch McConnell said the entire goal of the Republican Party in 2009 was to deny uh, uh, <laughs> President Obama a, a re-election. There's been a lack of uh, compromise really right now going on much more than a decade, really going on two decades. And I think the, the caller you just heard from is kind of representative of that. Okay, very quickly then, closing remarks, we'll uh, ask Michael and Dr. Tepper. Michael. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I guess based on the caller, who has presented uh, some good case arguments overall, and I would agree he would qualify, certainly north of the border anyways, as a Trump supporter, which is perfectly fine. It's his own right to be so. I tend to be more middle of the road about Trump. I I praise him when things are good, and I critique him when things are bad, and it makes me kind of a rarity in the game, Bob, but I, I, I've been happy that way, and I'll probably continue so. Um, certainly, there will not be a lot of people who will be whose minds will be changed one way or the other based on what we see through these hearings, which is why, quite frankly, no matter what side of the fence you're on, a lot of people have said that it's nothing more than what I suggested at the beginning, which is a show trial, which is just it's going to present things, it's going to have political arguments, there's going to be a lot of ideological underpinnings behind it, and in the grand scheme of things, will it necessarily accomplish anything? The only thing it can accomplish is if, and as some people have suggested, some of the the previous Clinton impeachment hearing and what would have been an impeachment hearing had Richard Nixon not resigned from office, there were certain things that came out that were not initially there at the starting point. So if this whole impeachment hearing into Ukraine changes into, I don't know, five or six other things, just to make up a hypothetical example, then yes, it does change the whole perspective and it allows, certainly in the Democratic side, for them to really move on hard on certain issues and possibly try to convince some middle-of-the-road Republicans in the Senate to shift with them. I don't think the numbers are there, and I don't think it's going to matter one way or the other, but it's going to be interesting and intriguing, and 
it'll certainly give, well, it'll certainly give me something to talk about for the next few months, <laughs> if, as if I need more things to talk about. But it'll give all of us something to talk about because there have only been two impeachment proceedings in the United States previously, that being Andrew Johnson and Bill Clinton. That's all there been. In both cases, although Mr. Johnson only survived by one vote, which was a vote to eliminate him rather than protect him, and, and Mr. Clinton, neither of them succeeded, and my guess is that the third one won't either. But will it damage Donald Trump moving forward? That's the real question, Mark, and that still, to me, is the most interesting thing that will come out of these hearings. And last word, Dr. Tepper. I think the broad, big question is, what does this mean for the American presidency? And I think that's a long-term historical and philosophical question. And it'll, it'll be years before we can really soup that one through. What we have immediately is who's going to hold power in America. And right now, uh, it looks as if the impeachment, ironically, could end up helping rather than hurting the sitting president. And it's entirely possible that he will be reelected as of today, given the numbers we've seen in terms of the polling in the key states, the, the swing states, the states that can determine an election. Given what we see there and what we see on the Democratic Party side, uh, this is not necessarily bad news for the uh, Republicans. And indeed, uh, to put it uh, differently, it seems once again that the Democrats are very interested in principle and the Republicans are very interested in power. And if you have that contest going forward, I think we can see not only the end of this impeachment inquiry, but a... Um, a path forward for what the next election is going to be about. Dr. Elliot Tepper, Senior Fellow at the Norman Patterson School of International Affairs at Carleton University, Michael Tobe, Troy Media Syndicated Columnist, Washington Times Contributor, one-time speechwriter for former Prime Minister Stephen Harper, and our American guest, Dr. David Yaloff, Professor of Political Science rather, at the University of Connecticut. Gentlemen, to you all, thank you for your time and for your insights. Thank you very much, Bob. Yes, you're very welcome. Okay. Being on your show. Thank you. And Dr. Yaloff, thank you as well. Thank you. All right. Take care. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.